0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition, the Wednesday night edition of the Fighting Network's uh, Sports Conversation. I'm Don Henderson in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we have the very, very <laughs> solid representation from one of our key personnel that gives us all the firsthand information in Atlanta, Georgia, Roger Hemler. And we're going to, uh, and of course, at the controls, as always, Frank Carroll and Frank, I'm going to throw it to you first of all for a dedication and then get the commercials out of the way and we'll get
2: to Roy Cummings. Okay, Don. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in great appreciation. The men and the United States Armed Forces, the in and Power Services, the doctors and nurses in the first line of and first responders in the first line of COVID, and also the wonderful people at the supermarket that keep themselves shelf stocked. You know, Don, sometimes you walk through, through life, and according to uh, a certain uh, uh, Will Rogers, said that you uh, may meet thousands of people. Of those thousands of people, you'll you keep maybe possibly a 100 as friends. Of that, you'll pare down to about 10 to 20 people that are really good friends. And we have a really good friend in Steve Kinsella. Uh, Steve is our, our baseball expert. Uh, he's along one with us all the time. And Steve had a, had a problem this week. Uh, his mom fell and broke her leg. Uh, she's out in Cleveland, and Steve is uh, going to Cleveland to help her out. Uh, evidently, she has to have a second operation. So tonight's program is dedicated to uh, Steve and his mom, uh, especially his mom. We hope that she uh, gets better fast and that uh, it heals very well. Um, the program is, is also uh, uh paid for by uh, Biosolar. Now Biosolar has a program. Um, they will come out and put solar panels on your roof for $0 down. They'll also hold your electric bill for a total of 50% off the next 25 years. If you look at the last four years running, your increase was 37, 39, 42, and 51%. And now it's going to go up again uh, after the since the legislature allowed the uh, Pico uh, uh, Duke and uh, PNL to raise the rates one more time. So if you want to save money over the next twenty five years, give Patrick we call it bio solar. They, yes, they are in in uh, Florida. They're also licensed in all the states in the United States and can do the work and will do the work fast, efficient. And Chief. Yeah, their number is 727-314-6976. It's 727-314-6976 at Master Patrick. And he'll give you a special rate, especially since he's, a, uh, he's one of our sponsors, and he will knock uh, $200 off the, the rate right away. So uh, that's it to be done. Roy's here, you're here, and uh, Roger.
1: Roy Cummings is in Tampa. Roger Hendler is in Atlanta. I'm Don Henderson. I'm in Sarasota, Florida. We're ready to go on a Wednesday night, and let's go to Roy first because he knows everything that's happening in Tampa, Florida, whether it's the Bucks, the Lightning, or the Rays. And I think we got to start with the biggest story in Tampa this week, and that is uh, Mr. Tom Brady has decided that he's going to come back. Uh, your first, your first thoughts about that, Roy?
0: first thoughts were absolutely not shocked at all. Um, he didn't seem committed to the decision, uh, early on. Something just seemed a little bit off with the way that all came down. Um, I think he was, um, you know, and he doesn't control this kind of information all the time. If he wants to control it, he needs to completely keep it to himself and maybe family members at best. Um, but, uh, you know, the word got out that uh, he was thinking about retiring, but I don't think he ever really got to the point where he was fully committed to doing it. Um, even in his, you know, in the, if you're going to do that, you're going to have a press conference at some point, I think. If you're Tom Brady, I think you're going to do that. You're going to step away and you're going to say this is it. You're going to have your family there and everything. Uh, just the way it all came down originally, I, I think uh, there was always some hesitation on his part. And I think uh, the word got out a little bit prematurely that he was uh, leaving and he might have been leaning in that direction. And, you know, I think one of the reasons he he didn't come out stronger about it was because he was, you know, truly on the fence. And, uh, you know, I think it really – to be look, I'm speculating here for sure. I think it's a matter of he wants to play. It's a matter of getting the rest of the family on board with that thought process. His his kids are getting older now. Um, You know, they're not – three and four and five years old. They know where dad's going every day. Uh, they know why he's not home as often as they'd like him to be. They know why he's not at their, you know, at their little league games or their uh, dance recitals or whatever it may be. And, um, you know, I, I, we've heard, you know, for years now that Giselle is certainly uh, eager to see him, uh, you know, pack it up and, and start paying attention to something else. And, you know, and I, I think she's concerned about injury and rightfully so. And, uh, but Tom clearly has not, uh, has not lost his passion for the game. And I, you know, I I think until that happens, um, I think he, uh, I think he's going to continue to play and I think this is going to go on for a while. I think he's going to continue to play for two, three, four more years. Maybe I also believe that, um, the fact that he was in England with the Glazers at the uh, soccer game this past weekend, uh, as the the news came out, I think tells me that, uh, he's probably negotiating some kind of a position within the organization yeah. post-playing career. And my guess is, it wouldn't surprise me at all, if that involves some piece of ownership. Um, and I think, uh, I think he'd like to be a part of that. And I think this is kind of a prelude to that. So not surprised at all. Um, so, and, and, you know, it's funny, though. Tom Brady comes back, and guys, for about eh, well, almost 24 hours, uh, Tampa Bay was once again the center of the NFL universe. Well, now it's in Atlanta where Roger is uh, with Deshaun Watson uh, being uh, interviewed. And they got a, still got a pretty good quarterback themselves in uh, in Matt Ryan. So, uh, Roger, uh, take it over. What do you think of Brady coming back? But also, what can you tell us about what's happened with Sean, Deshaun Watson uh, in Atlanta? Obviously, several suitors, the, the Falcons, uh, just the latest, give him an interview.
3: Yeah, that I heard about that uh, this morning. And uh, but getting back to the Tom, Roy, and Don, and Frank, uh, you know, there's one rumor that uh, he really had his eyes on going to Miami until the coach was fired, and that just uh, changed his perspective. I mean, that it's all speculation. And also, he said his 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 father said the media is the one that pushed him to announce the retirement. I don't think anybody pushes Tom Brady to do anything that he doesn't want to do. And obviously uh, he's building his brand, uh, you know, and uh, Rogers is building his brand. But uh, this is very interesting uh, about the the Sean, because uh, he went to Gainesville high school and then uh, Clemson. And, and I will tell you that uh, he would, be very well received by uh, Falcon country. Uh, You know, he he has a great reputation in Gainesville. I did uh, uh, his high school games, a lot of them, including I think the first one or second one. And uh, he just had a great reputation. And this was shocking to me, having known his coach and uh, a lot of people around him. But, uh, you know, only time will tell. He has the final say because he's got a, uh, a no-cut contract uh, or, he, or he has the leverage about where he goes. And uh, I know in Philadelphia, they're all up at arms. They don't, most of the people don't want him. Uh, you know, that's just the way it is. So this could be a, a great uh, landing place for him and uh, uh, take over. And, and Matt Ryan could be – uh, trade it to somebody that uh, might help them get over uh, the hump uh, if they they feel they have a very good uh, team to compete this year if they have a better quarterback.
1: Well, Roger, uh, Ryan already took a uh, an adjustment on his pay and so forth so that uh, he felt that he would be in, in, in good shape as far as, you know, being back behind center again to start this year. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens in that regard. Two things on Tom Brady that I have, I think, and I may be 100% incorrect that I'm going to use the same words that uh, Roy did a uh, speculation. I think Bruce, somewhere along the line, knew a little more than the rest of us because he never really made a solid effort to go out and talk about other quarterbacks and what he was going to talk about, quarterbacks that he had on the team and the fact that uh, they could step in and play. But he never really made an aggressive move with a quarterback position. So my feeling was that somewhere he and Tom Brady had a a, a communication along the way or when he left or something. My second thought is, and Roy, I'd like you to comment on this. This is not the team that he came to two years ago that won a Super Bowl. This is a different team. And, you know, I don't think that the team as is structured at the moment is as good as the team that he played with the last two years. You may disagree with that, but I think he's taken a real chance coming back and playing this year in Tampa, unless he's assured they're going to make some very, very solid moves, especially on the offensive line.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Don, uh, on everything you said, really. Uh, I think the Bucs definitely knew that he was coming back. I think it's why they stayed out of the quarterback uh, derby there, the, the quarterback market. Uh, early on when you saw a lot of, you know, quarterbacks being traded, a lot of pieces being moved. Um, right. A lot of talk about the free agents. They completely stayed out of it. Bruce Arians, you know, with a head-scratching, you know, comment or two, which, again, this is what you say when you don't have anybody. You say you're going to go with the guys you have, and uh, but, but come on, let's face it. Uh, if you think, and they've been trying to sell us on this, sell the fan base on this, is that even without Tom Brady – They think they're still a contender because of all the other pieces that they have. Uh, You know, in a a quarterback-driven league, you've got to have that piece. And uh, there were plenty of opportunities there for them to get involved in that. Um, So, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, plenty of opportunities, and they didn't touch it. So I think you're right. I think they knew this was coming. I think they probably knew 10 days ago or more. They probably, you know, what are you going to do this year? and um you know it may even have been uh a bit of a you know a plea on the part of the buccaneers saying hey give us one more year we weren't expecting this uh, and again this is pure speculation too uh you know we think we can still contend for a title uh we can't do it without you give us one more year um give us one more year and give us a chance to you know in essence uh, prepare for your departure because we weren't prepared for it this time around and uh And that might have had something to do with it, but, um, but no, I think they definitely knew. And, um, you know, the other point that you make, uh, what what was the other point you made, Don? The fact that I don't think this is the
1: same team. He came back last year with the fact that they had signed everybody that was a leading Mm -hmm. candidate from the year before to step right in and play the same positions. That's not the case this year.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and I think, I think there's some hope on his part that, if, if enough guys restructure their contracts, and we've already seen Cameron Brait, uh restructure his, I'm sure other players are going to do the same, um, they'll Man. be able to get back some of the guys that are important to him. Ryan Jensen is back. Um, you know, can they get Leonard Fournette? They might not want to pay him at this point. Um, but they bring in, you know, Shaq Mason to replace Ali Marpet. So uh, you, you, you re-sign uh, Steny at, uh, at the offensive line position. So, you know, I think they're doing a pretty good job of, you know, rebuilding this team. But let's face it, I think the defensive line is going to look completely different. And I I just agree with you. I I don't think this team is anywhere near as strong as uh, the team that they fielded last year and the team they had at the end of uh, the 2020 season when obviously they won the Super Bowl. So I think they're a little bit thin there, but you know what? The draft is still ahead. So let's see what happens there. But um, I think you're right. I, I, I don't think this team, I didn't think they were a Super Bowl team last year. I don't think they're a Super Bowl team this year, but I do think at this stage, given what we know of the NFC South as it sits right now, I think they're good enough to win the NFC South um, because I think Tom Brady's you know worth somewhere between five and eight victories for you. Uh, so they're probably a ten to twelve win team at bet, you know, at, at least maybe even more, and uh, depending on the schedule and how that looks as it you know as the season goes on. So I think they can win the division if they can do that. You know, they can obviously get a couple of breaks here and there and. Uh, go deep into the playoffs. So, um, but but I, I agree. I don't think they're anywhere near as strong as they were.
1: Roger, any final thoughts before we switch topics?
3: No, I I just wanted to uh, switch while we have uh, a, a, a some time, and we'll talk about baseball a little. Bit, you know, we'll be talking about the uh, NCAA tournament. But uh, I just wanted uh, to let you know uh, the Braves uh, today signed. Uh, Eddie Rosario, he'll be back in left field. Uh, they also had signed Alex Dickerson. And, of course, they made the big trade for Matt Olson. And Freddie Freeman has, I think it was on Instagram, put out uh, a thank you to the Atlanta fans for all the support they've given him. And I was very sorry to see him leave. He's a class act, uh, but I would not surprise me if he winds up with the Dodgers that uh, he and his wife are from Southern California, and uh, but who knows? But it's the world champions are starting a new era with a lot of uh, different faces. Yeah, right, you know, I agree. What?
1: I sort of thought he was going to finish his career, you know, in Atlanta. He had such a great career, what, 10 years, and and really uh, was an outstanding player. I, I really thought they were going to negotiate, but I will say this. I think they made a terrific, terrific deal. I mean, they gave – everybody can talk about potential, potential, potential. All this guy was our number one prospect. This guy was number three. This guy was number six. They got a guy that's a major leaguer, an outstanding first baseman, a good offensive player, can hit home runs. Uh, I mean, they're not going to miss, in my view, they're not going to miss the fact that uh, they weren't able to make a, 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 a contract uh, I don't know. Roy, maybe maybe you disagree with that, but uh, that's my feeling.
0: No, I was going to say, uh, guys, that yes, I think we're. I think everybody. I, I can't imagine anyone um, doesn't feel a little bit sad that that uh, Freddie Freeman is leaving Atlanta. Uh, he was there through some very lean times, uh, right. and he and he helped this team. He's kind of you know, he, I mean, his whole journey reminds me a little bit of. <laughs> Ryan Zimmerman's journey with the Nationals. You know, they're through some very lean times and they're when they needed him most. The difference is that Freddie Freeman's clearly still in his prime. Ryan Zimmerman was uh, clearly in the twilight of his career when the Nationals won their title. Um, but if you're going to, if you're going to replace, have to replace Freddie Freeman, I don't think there's a better replacement than Matt Olson, uh, than, than Olson, who, who's a, to me a clone he's a clone. I mean, he's as good defensively. He's as good defensively as, as Freeman is, in my opinion, power wise, as good power wise, uh left-handed hitter, um, going to hit for, for average, a leader type, a, a quiet guy, uh, and younger, and younger. Guy yep. younger. And younger. Yes. I, I think a lot of people may not know much about, uh, about him because he's been out in Oakland for a couple of years, but, uh, he and, he and Matt Chapman are two of the reasons that team has been uh, exceptional over the last uh, few seasons, and um, I, I think you can't find a better replacement for uh, Freddie Freeman than uh, what they've got right now. It's, it's to me, it's, it's almost a wash. How about uh, What's the reaction in Atlanta, Roger? You're right there.
3: Well, you know, you're you know, people are excited because of getting Olson, uh, because the Braves obviously uh were proactive you know rather than reactive, and uh, they must have seen the writing on the wall. The problem with uh, the situation as, as I understand it with Freeman was uh he wanted the sixth year guaranteed, and uh, they uh, were willing to pay, but not they didn't want to give the sixth year and uh because I think he'll be what thirty eight I think uh on the sixth year. So, yeah, he's 32 uh, now. You're right. Yeah, I'm going to be 38, and so I understand that. And uh, you know, time marches on with all of us, and we're not, we can't do the same thing we did five years ago. But uh, they, they're going to miss him. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But uh, I think the uh, Braves diffused the situation with the uh, the move. And I was also glad that uh, the Phillies uh, made a big move, getting Kyle Schwerber to uh, play left field that's got to help them uh now with uh, you've got three big uh, heavy sticks in the in the batting order now
1: as long as nobody hits a fly ball to left field it's good
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't forget guys there's a dh out there now they've got a lot of pieces that they can move around i mean, they've lost andrew mccutcheon uh in philadelphia so uh you had to replace uh somebody and and i think look kyle schwarber can you know, he can play a little first for you. He can play a little left field. But um, more than likely, he's going to be the DH. But, uh, look, they've been looking for some power bats there in Philadelphia. And uh, they've got one now. And, and one that's on the rise. I mean, I think uh, Kyle Schwarber broke out a little bit last year, um, showing that he can he can be a, a very serviceable uh, bat in, in your lineup. He's going to give you power plus uh, a little bit of average. And, uh, you know, it's a left-handed power bat. And uh, it's going to be good for him, for sure. So, yeah, I like that move a lot for the Phillies.
1: I agree with you 100% on that one. I also thought that uh, he would be a little more in the mix uh, uh, as far as the Yankees' return. I know they talked about him. Cashman talked about, uh, or I shouldn't say Cashman, the press talked about Schwarber being one of the people that Cashman was interested in because of the flexibility. Uh, He uh, only played first base a little bit, plays left field, as you indicated. But, uh, the big thing with him is his bat. He's going to hit, especially in Citizens Bank Park, he's going to hit some home runs and he's going to drive in some runs for the Phillies. So from an offensive standpoint, I don't think they can go wrong, Roger.
3: Well, no, and I looked at the perspective lineup. They've got him leading off as the DH uh, and then uh, Hoskins, Harper, Riamuto, Gregorius, uh, Segura, Bone, uh, Herrera, you know, that's that's a, a big uh, stickling point there about uh, bringing Odubel back. Not a fan. Fans aren't a fan. People don't like him. And then you've got Adam Hazley in left field. So only time will tell. I think there'll be uh, some more moves made, obviously.
0: It's a good lineup, one through nine. Uh, the problem is the pitching. You know, do yeah. they have the pitching? And and I think I think they're going to come up a little short there. Um, I mean, they've got to, everything's going to have to work out for them. Um, you know, we'll see where it goes, but they're going to they're going to have to out hit teams. And I'll tell you what, you look at that lineup one through nine, and, and they can do it. There's no doubt about that. I, I don't think there's a question that, that can happen. So uh, they're going to need to. But um, I'd like to see them get a couple of a starter or two, and uh, uh, you know, to build, beef up that uh, that rotation and, and obviously the bullpen as well.
1: Well, when you have, you know. What's happening in the, uh, with the Braves and what they've been able to do thus far, and what's happening with the Mets, who aren't finished yet, looks like they're going to go out and spend a lot more money after this. And if they do, I mean, the Phillies are, you know, they're really in a in a very, very tough spot. And as you indicated, with very little pitching and the bullpen's still a big question mark, uh, Roger, I, I just think they're going to have problems.
3: Well, they, they picked up a couple of relievers uh, that uh, should help. Uh, and, of uh, course, uh, uh, they've made they've lost some too, so you know. But I agree. Only time will tell. And what's pitching seventy percent of the game, as they say, right? Indeed, <laughs>
1: fellows. What, what I'd like to do, uh, really, I'd like you to stay on for a little bit, while well, we don't jump out right away because it's early. But Ira Coffin's on the line right now, and it would be nice to have Ira join you and join Roger and get his view on what happened with Tom Brady, and also. Uh, some questions that you may want to ask Ira. Ira, are you there? Ira Kaufman? I don't hear him yet. He's there. You there, Ira? Ira
3: you
1: there? If he's there, he's awful quiet.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ira.
1: <laughs> well, well, we'll just keep going until Frank gets him on the, uh, uh must be a problem with the phone lines. But uh, anyway, getting back uh, the National League East, uh, Roy, I, I just think it's going to be very, very tough. And let's switch over just for a second before Ira gets on and talk about uh, your team there in Tampa. Because uh, they really haven't done a lot yet about making, turning the corner as to exactly what they're going to do this year. And uh, your thoughts on the Rays
0: yeah so far it seems like you know they're content to to go with what they've got and it's kind of hard to blame them i mean you know let's face it uh seventy million dollar uh player payroll last year they were good enough to get to the world Series yet again i mean they they won a hundred games so um they uh i think they feel good about you know what they're doing uh young players are developing quickly for them uh they have a lot of depth uh, in the in the organization uh the, the the farm system is uh is solid but you know they are still in this Freddie Freeman uh, sweepstakes here. They are they are in this, and uh, we still don't know where Freddie Freeman's going. I mean, you see the Red Sox are getting involved. Maybe the Red Sox are getting involved because they see the Razor involved, and the Blue Jays are involved because of the the Razor involved. I I've right. suddenly seen a couple of these teams suddenly come into into the into play here, and I think it might be uh, more like kind of a defensive uh, maneuver. Uh, because if you can imagine the Rays with a, with a 300 hitter who can hit 30 plus homers, uh, you know, another bat like that, boy, oh boy, that's, um, that's pretty scary because you know, they're going to figure out a way to pitch, uh, effectively. You know, they're going to figure out a way to defend effectively. Uh, you get a player like that and it allows you to possibly keep a Kevin Kiermaier around, um, because you want his feet, his, you know, his, his glove in the, in, in the lineup. So, um, I think it's uh, – I don't think we've seen the Rays make their move yet. Um, they do things differently, obviously, than everybody. Um, this might be one of those areas where they do things just a little bit, uh, you know, outside of the box, as we say these days.
1: It would really be differently if they brought Freeman in to play in Tampa, Florida. That would be it. Ira now is on the line with us. Ira, I've asked Roy to stay on with us for a couple of minutes, too, because we opened up the show talking about Brady – Coming back to Tampa Bay, and uh, let me just introduce you by saying you're on ESPN. Uh, You have been doing sports for such a long period of time. You're a presenter at the Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know if you have anybody that uh, you think is going to get in this year as a presenter. We'll get to you on that a little bit later. But uh, your thoughts uh, with the three of us uh, as it pertains to Tom Brady.
4: Well, I hope you guys can hear me. I hope you can hear me. I got you. Gotcha. All right, I'm, direct, I'm going to direct this to my old uh, Tribune comrade, Mr. Roy Cummings, and Roy will know exactly what I'm talking about. But before we, Roy, before we get to Brady, um, my poor San Francisco Giants, you know, with the Cubs and the Yankees and now even the Rays, uh, you know, going after big fish. Um, Roy, if you've had Tommy John surgery in the last five years, the Giants are interested in you. I mean, what's going on here, Kevin? Um, They're picking up guys nobody ever heard of, uh, you know, and uh, and Posey's retirement. Um, Roy, 107 wins. I'm 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 happy if they go 500 this year.
0: You know, Ira, that's what you said last year at the beginning of the year, and uh, Roger's favorite manager uh, turned that whole organization around.
5: Um,
0: you know what? Uh, they, they did. I'll tell you what. I don't know how they did it. I'm with you because. Nobody on that team really is a, is a superstar caliber player. Um, they got some nice young talent, um, but even some of the young guys to me seem to have underachieved, you know, guys like Mike Yastrzemski and, uh, you know, belt hitting a little bit better these days, but you know Crawford at shortstop is uh, clearly uh, probably seen as better days. Uh, you got some issues at catcher. You lost Alex Dickerson today. Uh, he signed on with somebody else. So, um, you're right. I I I don't know. I still don't know how they did it last year. And, I, and right now I'm with you. I don't know how they're going to do it this year, but I do remember just as you said that Buster Posey had had uh was was done last year. I think it was in uh April or something. Uh surprisingly or maybe not surprisingly, uh he went out and had a, a tremendous finish to his uh, to his career and uh and put that team on top. So it was kind of interesting how that happened and uh, your Giants ended up uh, surprising everybody. They could do the same thing again. Well, I it's so easy watch.
1: to figure out. I read they had the manager. They have the managerial uh, of the of the year. I mean, the man who had to manage that ball club—he couldn't do anything in Philly,
4: but he certainly did a great job in San Francisco. <laughs> I got to admit, I I I didn't like to hire. Um, I even texted Joe Madden. I texted Joe Madden when they hired Kapler. And I told him, hey, I'm not happy with this hire. And and Madden disagreed with me. He goes, "Um, he's going to do a good job. And, you know, Roy, he he surrounded himself with a great coaching staff, Kaplan. they got really good coaches, and they get the most out of the talent, just like the Buck coaching staff, Roy. Um, We've seen many years where they couldn't develop young talent, and this coaching staff has proven they can. Um, It makes a huge difference
0: yeah it does ira and and I think that I think what the Giants are doing is I think they're kind of modeling their team after what the Rays uh have done whereas you find guys and you find the place where they where they are most effective um and and that's where you and that's where you plug them in and maybe not everybody plays every game um you know some guys obviously obviously will but i think they I think they know strengths and weaknesses and they play to the players' strengths. and um it, it's it's certainly a a proven winning formula here in Tampa. I think it was played out a little bit in San Francisco last year. And, again, um, you know, the, the the Rays have shown that you don't have to have a, a staff full of uh, known names in order to, uh, to, to win the championship. And um, lo and behold, the, the Giants kind of did the same thing last year. I mean, a little surprised they didn't try to get uh, Chris Bryant back, especially with Evan Longoria, certainly, um, uh, you know, at the point in his career where he is. Uh, but, hey, um, as they did last year, and much, much like the Rays, the Giants do things a little bit differently right now and i makes us to see how it works out for them.
1: Good, Good point, Roy. I know that uh, before Roy's got to get out of here for dinner, uh, get back to my initial question, your thoughts. I know he'd like to hear them as well as the rest of us about Tom Brady <laughs> coming back.
4: Well, I can just see Roy laughing when I say this, but he knows it's true. Uh, the, you know, a week ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were peering into the abyss, gentlemen. Peering into the abyss. <laughs> um, and by that, I mean Blaine, Gabbard, and Kyle Trask. Um, and for reasons that are unknown to me, and perhaps Roy can explain it, I, I believe okay. Gabbert would have won that job over Trask. I I don't think that would have made any sense. But, you know, Arians kept talking about Gabbard, how he knows the system. Roy, are we, are we talking about rocket science here? So, anyway... Uh, they might have won the division. They might have gone 9-8 and eight and won a lousy division, but they weren't going anywhere. And now they're favored to win the NFC, Roy, again, with Brady at the helm. But, Roy, I'll throw this out at you right now. I, I, I don't think they're going to match what they've done the last two seasons. I, I just have that feeling uh, Brady uh, has to break down at some point. Uh, their o line won't be as good as last year because the guy they got from New England is good, but I don't think he's as good as Marpet. Um, and then they lost their right guard. Um, we don't know what's going on with some other players. Godwin coming off an injury. Roy, I I, I don't see them going. Thir- uh, I don't see them going thirteen and four again.
0: Well, Ira, you are uh, the consensus among the panelists uh, here is the same thing. None of us see that happening. Um, we, we talked about that just a few minutes ago before you came on, that we, we feel the same way, that this team is nowhere near as strong as the team that finished up and won the Super Bowl two years ago or the, or the team that played last year at this point. So some things could change. free agency is just getting started, so some things could change there. Um, but, uh, you know, I agree. I, I, I don't think – I'll say this. Y- you, you suggested that they could have won eight or nine games uh, with playing Gabbard at quarterback. I don't think they would have. I think they would have won four right. or five. And right. um, and I also think that uh, uh, I think the Bucks knew that, uh, that Brady was coming back. This is something else we discussed. I, I think the the fact that they toyed with this idea, at least publicly, of Blaine Gabbard being their quarterback or Kyle Trask possibly uh, was all because I think they knew that Brady was coming back. And it's why they stayed out on the sidelines during the early quarterback derby uh, that, that uh, happened a uh, few days ago or uh, last week, I guess. And, uh, I think that's why they stayed, uh, stayed out of it. I think they knew, uh, something was coming with Brady and, um, they were content to just sit back and say, yeah, well, you know, we'll, just, uh, we, we believe in uh, these two guys because, you know, eventually they may have to turn to them. It may be a one-year thing with Brady. That's really the, I think the question is less, is, you know, you have to ask now is, you know, is this his swan song? Is this his, uh, his uh, goodbye tour. Does he, you know, is, is is he coming back for one year, or is he going to try to push and play to fifty? So, to me, that's the big question. And and I'll leave you with this question, Ira. What do you think? Is this a one year come back, uh, keep the franchise afloat, and give us a chance until the we can better uh, equip ourselves at the quarterback position, or is this uh, Brady coming back and pushing for fifty, uh, playing to fifty?
4: Well, I, I think it's a one year. Roy, he said years ago, he wants to play to forty five. He had that number in mind. Here we go. Guys, one more thing that I don't think uh, is getting enough play here in terms of uh, the Bucks struggling this fall a, a little bit. The schedule. Roy, the schedule is much tougher. When you look back at their schedule as a defending champ, Roy, it was a joke. That schedule was a joke. You're playing the Jets. You're playing the Giants. Uh, you, you, you know, your division stinks for the most part uh roy they got a they got a big boy schedule this year. I think that's gonna make a big difference
0: yeah i'll I'll leave you with this guys I was surprised last year that that uh, a championship caliber team ended up with the schedule that they had i mean that's you know it is what it is it's mapped out years in advance. um they caught a big break i I thought they caught a couple of breaks during the uh the Super Bowl season. They continued to catch breaks last year. Warren is good at taking advantage of them. Uh, because they struggled against some, some pretty poor teams. Uh, think about the Jets, Carolina. Um, they struggled at times against those teams and right there, Ira, I'm right there with you. I I think this could be, um, this could be a tough, uh, a tough go for them this year. We, again, it's, you know, we haven't even gotten really to free agency yet. A lot of moves are being made. A lot of moves have already been made, but, uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know, players still to be brought onto this football team. Let's see what they look like in September. But, uh, Looking at it right now, I'm right there with you, Ira. I think it's going to be a, a, a bit of a slog for these guys, kind of a tough uh, tough road for them if they think they're going to get, uh, get to a championship-caliber uh, level.
1: Well, Roy, thank you very much again for the first hour and then a little bit of an extended period with Ira Kaufman. And uh, let's go to Atlanta because quarterback we chatted about a little bit in the first half hour. Ira, quarterback situation in Atlanta may be a little bit of a changing situation as well. Roger Hendler, what do you got?
3: Well, you know, we talked about it, Ira. First of all, Don, we got, and uh, Frank and Roy, of course, I'm a big fan of Ira on Mad Dog Radio. He's a big part of Chris Russo's Mad Dog Radio, no doubt about it. And I heard you the other day, Ira. And what do you think about the Sean uh, Watson uh, coming to uh, the Falcons? What do you think? I, I think
4: Arthur Blank is, is behind this thing. Um He's tired of being an also-ran. The Falcons haven't been very good since that Super Bowl loss to New England. Uh, That's tough to overcome. Uh, They still haven't shaken it off. I'll tell you what I think about Atlanta. I think they made a huge mistake a year ago. One year ago, they should have realized we're we're, we're not going to compete for a title with Matt Ryan. Let's trade Matt Ryan, get what we can move on, and it was a very quarterback-rich draft a year ago, unlike this year, and let's go draft a young quarterback and get something from Matt Ryan. They didn't do it. Uh, For whatever reason, um, you know, the coach and blank said, let's give it one more year, and that is very much against the philosophy of a guy like Bill Walsh, who always told me, you get rid of a guy a year early rather than a year late. That's that's the Walsh philosophy. Yeah. And
3: in fact, the Falcons are paying a price for that. Yeah, well, I I think what might happen is, see, uh, they talked about it in Philly, Ira. That uh, the consensus is that uh, the people in the uh, media they don't want him in, in there because of his, uh, you know, off the field activities if they are uh, legit. But here it's a whole different ball game. You know, he uh, he went to Gainesville High School which is outside of Atlanta. He was a legend there. He was a legend at uh, Clemson. uh, And uh, they'll welcome him with open arms. And I'm wondering if then Matt Ryan could be uh, sent to a team that's on the cusp of maybe winning a championship and he could take them over. What do you think about that? I think
4: that's very interesting. Um, Maybe a team like Indianapolis. You know, I think Matt Ryan's been underrated for, his entire career. Um, mm-hmm. I remember a game against the Bucks a couple of years ago. Atlanta was outclassed. It was during the Bucks Super Bowl season. Um, Ryan, Ryan single-handedly kept the Falcons in this game in Tampa until finally things broke down at the end, and he threw a couple of picks. The, the guy is a tremendous competitor. Um, when all said and done with Matt Ryan, and he might play another two or three years, he's going to be in the top ten in, in all the significant categories. He will be. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, his name's going to come up for the Hall of Fame. Uh, He's going to get in the room as a finalist. I'm not saying yes or no on Matt Ryan. He never Mm -hmm. won a Super Bowl. But um, at least he's worth a discussion. Uh, He could go to a team like Indy uh, that's got the best running back in football uh, until, uh, you know, the guy from Tennessee proves that he's back from his injury. Uh, Taylor is fantastic. Um, I could you know, Pittsburgh should have been interested in him. Um right. you know and um and there's a, there's a couple other teams that might have an interest in Ryan. I, I think Ryan's got something left, but I just don't think I don't think the Falcons are very good uh in the trenches where games are won and lost. They're they're not physical enough the Falcons, and that's a problem. You're right. You're exactly right. And
1: so this has been a
3: problem for years.
1: Just for people along the line, that uh, not only Ira, working with Mad Dog and also with ESPN and such a long time in the Tampa area uh, in the field of sports, she's also a great presenter at the Hall of Fame. Uh, You've certainly done an outstanding job of getting people from this area into the Hall of Fame. What's the situation
4: this year, uh, plus or minus for you? Well, it's interesting, guys, because we had the Zoom meeting uh, January 18th, they didn't announce the thing for three weeks, so it was kept secret. I, I didn't think it could be kept secret because when the meeting ended, we, we knew the five guys that were getting in from the modern day. Uh, I presented Rondé Barber. Of course, you guys know it took me seven or eight years for John Lynch. That was a slog. But finally, he got in. Barber, this was his second year of being discussed. Uh, a year ago, he did not, he didn't make the top ten, Barber, a year ago. Uh, that first cut from 15 to 10, he got eliminated. This year, he did not get eliminated. He made the top 10, but he didn't. He didn't quite make that final five. I was disappointed. He was very disappointed. Uh, but I think the future is very bright for Rondé. I think he'll get in in the next year or two. Guys, I'll tell you what's interesting. Two things. One, when it was announced who the five final uh, modern day guys were. Um, I made the big mistake. I went on Twitter and looked around to see what people are saying. I got killed, guys. Buck fans, uh, they got to blame somebody uh, for their disappointment. And, and, and some of them really uh, really roughed me up, said I was too old, I should resign, I should quit, let's get some young blood in there, Ira's not getting the job done. What they don't understand, guys, is uh, the slate of you know, nominees are 15 people. All fifteen are, are, are excellent players. All fifteen. There's not a bum among them. I mean, we're talking about people like Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne, uh, uh Jared Allen. They they can't get in. Zach uh Zach Thomas. They can't get in so far. So it's not you know, Ronde's got good company. Um it's not like there's there's any stiffs out there and they don't realize that only five out of the fifteen every year are gonna get in. That's Two-thirds of the people get disappointed every year, two-thirds. So you've got to remember the math. Um, Rondé's going to get in. What's interesting, guys, is next year, uh, the two big uh, first-year eligibles will be Joe Thomas. You remember that great tackle for Cleveland, a lot of bad Browns teams, but the guy was phenomenal. Yep. He made like eight, yeah, eight, eight all-pro teams and nine Pro Bowls. And, and the other big name is, is Darrell Revis. Now, Revis is a cornerback. Rondé Barber is a cornerback. Um, I don't have a lot of problem with Revis because I think for three, four, five years, he he was the best in the league at what he did. He was the best. Maybe Rondé Barber couldn't cover like Revis, but I'll tell you what, Revis couldn't do a lot of the things Rondé Barber did either. Um, Daryl Revis, you know, he didn't want to tackle anybody. Barber right. uh, Barber tackled everybody so right. just, just because I think Revis might get in next year that doesn't mean Barber won't it's going to be interesting uh, the meeting instead of being virtual on Zoom it's going to be uh, a real meeting in Arizona I'm going to be there and, and I'm going to be prepared to get Ronnie Barber a gold jack
3: great well, well I really
4: want to be- thank
1: you very much for taking, taking over this segment for us and staying along with Rory Cummings as well. I hope we'll uh, get together down the road because there's a lot of uh, activity at the football draft and all, and i certainly uh, enjoy your input. Thank you so much.
4: Uh, is Pat Williams coming on, gentlemen? Pat yeah. Williams right is waiting here.
1: in the wings. He, he's
4: right here. He's can I ask him a <laughs> question, gentlemen? Can yeah. I ask him a question? Certainly. Yeah, let, me, yeah. let me
1: just introduce the man that brought the magic to Orlando. The man that uh, was the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers when I worked with them. Uh, known Pat for so many, so many years. A lot of baseball news with Pat tonight as well. So let me let Ira, Ira Kaufman. Pat is on the line right now, and he wants to ask you a question.
6: Ira, what, how have you been, and what's going on? I've been good, Patrick. Now, I'm
4: going gonna, I'm gonna to floor you with this one because I've been a Sixer fan. Pat, since the days of Will Chamberlain, and I got a question for you, Pat. Two of them. One, were you shocked when the NBA released the name of the 15 greatest coaches and and our boy Billy C. uh, was not on the list. I thought that was a travesty. And number two, Pat, and I'm really interested in this one, from your perspective looking back at that year when they were defending the championship, uh, 83-84, Pat, and they lost to the Nets in the first round. What, what the heck happened with that team, Pat? Why, why didn't they uh, go further in the playoffs that year?
6: Well, in answer to the first question, uh, Billy Cunningham's winning percentage is among the is among the greatest ever in the history of NBA coaches, but he only coached eight years. Uh, Billy's, uh, Billy was not a, a coaching lifer. <clears throat> he coached eight years, and then he uh, went to Miami and got into the ownership end of it. Uh, so th- that's that's the simple answer. Uh, you look at all those other coaches; they coached for, well, you know, decades, in some right. cases. So Billy Billy had a very short career, and it was not enough to be considered, I think. Uh, but uh, but for those eight years, there was nobody better. Uh, secondly, <clears throat> the eighty the eighty two eighty three season you know, was uh, perfecto. Uh, from the time it started, from the time Moses Malone arrived, uh, uh, there was an attitude uh, that this was it. This was the year. Uh, so mentally, uh, nothing ever got out of place. Uh, we had no injuries uh, that year. No, no injuries. Uh, it was almost a perfect storm. And then, of course, the uh, the the playoffs and. Uh, Moses calling the shot, you know, fo 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 right. and all the right. hype that went with it, playoffs broke just right. And uh <clears throat> but then uh and and every player had a peak year. Uh, every every player had their 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 uh, peak season. And the next year we had a good year but not a not the same kind of year uh couldn't quite hold that edge and uh and the nets ran into a you know a crazy nets team who who had uh, all sorts of wild characters on it uh, and they were they were they were a handful and uh we we just couldn't get it done but uh i we i think we felt that team was going to be around for quite a while, but when you think about it uh, Julius was coming to the end, close to the end. He was on into his well into his 30s. So was Bobby Jones, and right. uh, uh, and then then we ran into the problems with Andrew Tony's feet and and his injuries, which was by the time Andrew was about 27, his great years were over, and uh, just couldn't quite couldn't quite hold that edge tough to do. I'll
4: tell you what though, Pat, you came up with that great draft pick in Barkley. That was phenomenal. Phenomenal.
6: <coughs> well, that was the pick we had waiting uh, for tra- from trading Lloyd free. Uh, we had traded Lloyd in 78 to uh, San Diego uh, for a draft pick uh, uh, six years down the road. Uh, we made the deal in 78 for the pick in 84. Wow. And, uh, I, I, I think the Clippers probably thought 84 would never get here. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out we we sat with that pick, uh, you know, for all those years and and let it ripen. And the, the thing that uh, people forget, we, we were in the coin flip from the first day of the season to the next to last day of the season in the coin flip. And that was the Michael Jordan, a Alonzo One draft. Wow. And, and there we sat and then and then Houston went into that terrible dump you know they just they just just uh just just started throwing games basically and uh on the last next night, last night the saturday night uh <clears throat> Houston loses uh San Diego wins and we go from the coin flip to the fifth pick yeah. Just like that. We, we were devastated. <laughs> uh, we were devastated. But uh, we we were uh, uplifted and very fortunate. Uh, uh, rarely does a player like Charles Barkley uh, come down to you at five. Uh, you know, that, uh, that would never happen today. Uh, you had a hell Charles, of a run
4: in Philadelphia, Pat. You had a hell of a run. Congratulations.
6: <laughs> Thanks. you. Good to talk to you, Ira.
4: Take care, guys. Iris, right, thank you very Bye. much. Right, we'll get together
3: season.
4: again. Take care. Thank you.
6: Take care. Patrick
1: once again, great to talk with you. We chatted earlier this week and you may so many things on the uh on the firing line at the moment. Let's first of all, you talked about the rebuilding of the 76ers. Uh you got a little work with your magic. Uh they've they've gotta they gotta do some work at the draft and some work, uh uh trading players and making some good moves.
6: Well, Don, when you decide uh, to go with young players exclusively and, and build your franchise that way, uh, there's an enormous amount of risk involved. Uh, how good are your young players? Uh, how good are they at developing many unknowns? And, uh, and, and, and this year, you know, with this approach – uh, Detroit's doing it. Houston's doing it. Uh, we're doing it. Uh, you're at the mercy of the ping pong balls, which will be snapping around here soon. Right. And uh, where are you going to pick? There are, there are three or four, maybe five players in this draft uh, that are going to help you. Should help you a great deal. And uh, you want to make sure you get one of them. And then you've got to keep doing that for three, four years. Keep adding a piece every year. Maybe you get lucky with an early second rounder, and just keep adding and keep adding into the mix. And, and I, I, the think the
1: thing, I, I think the one thing I think the one thing I admired more than anything else about you, and you talked about it a second ago when it came to Charles Barkley, when you looked out five years in advance uh, with San Diego. You loved draft choices. You you didn't give up draft choices. You got yourself in a position where you had a position to make a move that you wanted to make, and I thought that was really the backbone of the Seventy Sixers.
6: Don, you're right. I love draft choices. I tell teams or advise them, don't trade them. Right. Don't 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 just don't trade them. Uh, we we rarely. I mean. Rarely would throw a a, a, a first rounder away. Uh, to me, they were all precious, and and uh, I, I I wanted to collect them, and and keep building with them, and uh, hold on to them, and and uh, you just never know what it might produce. So at the point now, Lloyd Free was still a you know a great young player, a great young scorer. Uh, Billy and Chuck Daly didn't think he was going to fit in properly, you know, into the, me- the mechanism, and so we traded him to Gene Shue. Gene knew him, and Gene was in San Diego yeah. and wanted him, and and was willing to cast that first rounder our way. And lo and behold, it it worked. So, uh, draft choice is always at plus done. It, it I don't care what the sport, there there's huge excitement about draft choices. Right. Fans love drafts. Uh, they love pre-drafts. They love uh, conjecture drafts. Uh, they love free agency. You know, they, they, all that stuff is is what stirs your fan base. And uh, you, you, If you don't have picks, well, your scouting department gets discouraged. Uh, your fans are discouraged. Uh, you know, the fun goes out of it. So, uh, Hold on to those picks, and
1: keep acquiring as many as you can. All right, let me bring uh, let me bring Roger Hendler in in Atlanta, Georgia, right now, and uh, and of course he's a longtime Philadelphia, longtime 76er fan. And Roger, uh, whether you're going to jump into the baseball
3: or basketball, whatever,
1: Pat Williams is ready to go.
3: No, no, I want to talk to him about basketball because I'll tell you, Pat. <laughs> Things are never, have been, never been the same in 76ers' country since you left. And, uh, I mean, there is more turmoil, and then you get a guy like Ben Simmons uh, who's not interested in playing but only partying. And then they, uh, they make the big trade to uh, last week, and uh, the, uh, the subject of the trade is uh, in town after a devastating loss. And I'll tell you what, I have lost interest in the Sixers, and I go back to the Philadelphia Warriors and used to go to the doubleheaders at Convention Hall. I was with my buddies. We were at uh, the All-Star Game when Wilt won the MVP and got a portable TV and uh, used to be at the Warriors. I was at Sixers games all the time. And I'll tell you, I love the NBA, and I love the NBA in many aspects. But I've lost interest in other aspects about the money and a lot of players just not playing up to their potential. Uh, am I wrong about that, uh, Roger? I've never been around uh,
6: in my long NBA years with with any player who didn't give his best. And uh, anything other than that is just not accurate. Uh, they, they may not all play well, and they may not all get to have the success you'd like for them. But I've never seen, been around any player that didn't give you maximum effort to the best of his ability. Uh, the other thing I would say, uh, this this version of the Sixers is doing something that the uh the, the Wilt period never did. The Julius Irving period never did, and that is packed that building every night with fans pleading to get a ticket to get in. Sure. Uh, that, ne- that that never happened. Allen now now the Iverson period did it, but but mm-hmm. what's going on up there now with the clamor to be part of that whole thing and for fans is just unprecedented. And uh, it's remarkable what they're they're doing at the gate. Uh, the Ben Simmons thing is is just the weirdest thing I've ever experienced or seen. And now he's in with the Nets, and and apparently with back issues that are not he's not going to play the rest of the year. I mean they yeah, they made a right. the trade, and he hasn't played yet. It is.
1: It's and Nash said today that he didn't expect him to be. If he got uh, after treatment, treatment, he didn't expect them to play at all during the regular season, Pat. It would only be in the playoffs if he could play then.
6: And, and Don, you don't just suddenly say, here's a guy that hasn't played in a year or or whatever it is, or or close to that,
7: and you're just saying,
6: okay, the playoffs, come on out and help us, bud. No, 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 no. After what we saw of Kyrie Irving here last night, you know, dropped a cool 60 on us. Uh, they, they just need to wind him up and turn him loose. And uh, don't, don't get in his way. Between he and Durant, they'll be just fine. You know, Pat, <laughs> I want to get
3: uh, I want no, to get one of your early
1: lows. Pardon me?
3: No, I was just going to say to Pat real quick uh, <laughs> that just some of the uh, great promotions you had with the uh, – uh, Sixers and and uh, I guess it was uh, after you had gone to uh, Orlando uh, But I uh, know they had the 76er camps for kids my daughter went several years and was uh, able to uh, be an all-star and and play on the spectrum hardwood and score in a game at halftime and uh, And that's something you know that you take to I'll take to my grade. You know she's 42 with two girls now so uh, the, you, what you did there was just magnificent as a Well, we
6: had good fun We we uh, were always trying to make uh, Anything associated with the six, Sixers Entertaining and fun uh, The greatest fun, of course, is winning uh, But if you can put all the fleas and circuses Around the winning uh, Now you have the best of all worlds And that's what we were always trying to do that
1: you're trying to get your oar in the water again. You and I have talked about it many times, including last Monday night when we chatted baseball coming to Orlando. You've worked hard. You you missed a couple of times, but you're not giving up. You're going to keep on trying to get a team in Orlando.
6: Well, Don, it started in the 1991 period uh, when we tried to get in on that expansion, and that's when they went to Miami. Uh, we thought it was a mistake at the time. Uh, then in, in 95, they expanded again. And this time they went to St. Pete and we, uh, we thought that was a mistake. And so, uh, we've always felt that Orlando was the spot for major league baseball in Orlando. And now, now we're watching again because baseball has said, uh, they want to get to 32 teams eventually. And, uh, We feel that Orlando's the best market available. It's now the 17th largest media market in in Florida, in North America, and growing with no end in sight. So I I think the baseball potential here is very real, and uh, we're watching things uh, very carefully. You either move a team currently, or you uh, wait for one of the two expansion teams. So uh, that, that's what we're in the middle of, Don, right now.
1: Patrick, what did you think of the negotiations that were just completed, and the fact that a very short spring training and a shortened season, but they're going to play 162? Some of your thoughts as you look at it from the outside in, uh, as that turned uh, as that turned out.
6: <laughs> well, Don, I was just my, my reaction was just relief, you know, to. to, to uh, have gone any deeper into March, you couldn't have done it. It, it, And then that leads to anger and bitterness and frustration. And uh, it would have been a nightmare, Uh, just just horrible. Uh, But they got it resolved. Uh, It is a little bit strange spring training. Uh, But the fans are not going to be hung up over this. They get the full season. Uh, They get a touch of the spring. And they get five years of labor peace uh which is which is certainly needed and uh I think we can all go into this baseball season and enjoy it and uh they're working on doing some positive things with the game. I think I think the the DH across the boards is is long overdue. Uh can you imagine the NBA for example that the Eastern Conference has a a three-point uh, shot and the West does not? Something. Your, I mean, that's kind yeah, of what it's comparable to. Can you imagine that? Yeah.
5: Uh, <laughs> or, uh, you know,
6: and
1: before I let Roger jump back in, my only objection, uh, to be honest with you, Pat, was looking at it from back down the line, and, you know, we're, you and I are a little older, uh, but I thought they had to go to it because you can't have pitchers throwing 100 miles an hour and a pitcher in the batter's box that hadn't hit since he was maybe in Little League. I mean, uh, they not only, not only can't hit, they can't get out of the way of a ball. If it comes in on them and you're paying somebody $25, $30 million a year, I mean, you don't want to get somebody hurt. So I thought that the, the uh, designated hitter was long overdue in the National League for that reason.
6: Well, and many others, Don, and it's, uh, I, I think it streamlines the game. I, I I feel confident that uh, sometime pretty soon they're going to get a pitch clock uh, in, in the, the pitch. Clock's going to be in all the minor leagues this year, not, not just experimentally. It's going to be in all the minor leagues. So you get the young pitchers uh, adjusted to the fact that they can't stand out on the mound and dilly dally all night long. Right. And, uh, so I I I I think that's going to help. Those who saw it in the minor leagues were thrilled with it. You know that the game just had a nice pace to it. It it just moved along a lot more crisply. And uh, so I feel good that that's on the way and that's coming. And uh, and we'll see what else Big, the bigger bases. Uh that's going to be a little bit interesting. Does that lead to a better opportunity to steal a base? Uh so at least baseball is doing a little creative thinking, Don, and I think that that's that's a a plus.
1: Roger, we'll let you get our final question for uh, Pat Williams once again. Those listening, (laughs) Pat Williams uh, with the 76 for such a great long period of time as their general manager leading the championship season and playing uh, and uh, being the general manager of some of the greatest players in the history of the league and then decided to uh, branch out and create a Orlando Magic team in the NBA with expansion, very, very successful, and Pat's been with it ever since then, and I congratulate him on both, both instances, but Roger, we'll let you round up this, this segment. Well, he's
3: also a great author of, what, the more than 18 books, right, Pat?
6: Well, I, the count actually is 120, Roger, um,
3: <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't ask me how that
6: happened, but... Somehow I'll tell you the understand. one on Walt Disney was the one on Walt Disney Pat was great. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, uh, Don. We enjoyed Pat, working on that. Said, when I man. when I came to Orlando i thirty six years ago, I became so fascinated with all things Disney, <laughs> and partic- and particularly Walt himself. And
3: I've uh, studied him thoroughly. You know, Pat. I want to get. I have another question, but just about to follow up on Disney. I was at a uh, model railroad uh, show uh, up in uh, uh, I guess it was in uh, it, uh, uh, over around uh, Phoenixville, you know, at the uh, big convention uh, center there a couple of years ago. and it was unbelievable. They had a book there which I bought and gave to my uncle, who's a big uh, train buff, and it was all about the, the Disney train and uh, going way back and about Walt Disney's interest in railroads and everything else. That's fascinating. What I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about uh, moving a team or expansion. What about the possibility of uh, the Rays moving out of St. Pete where they do not draw? And I would think the uh, Marlins uh, are a a prime candidate to move, but the thing is they have that expensive Stadium, which never should have been built, in my opinion, where it was. But what about one of those teams moving to Orlando where they would be successful, I'm sure, right off the bat?
6: Well, it won't be Miami. They do have a long-term lease there. Uh, the Rays have six years left on their lease in St. Pete. The, the trop is coming down. Uh, the city of St. Pete wants that land. Uh, the Rays are... In their last shot here, trying to get a ballpark built in Tampa. I don't think they want to be on the St. Pete side at all. Uh, Tampa's never been able to get the funding in place to build a ballpark over there. Uh, We're standing by ready to move quickly. uh, Once we get a word on what's going to happen, we'd like to buy the club and, and move them to Orlando. and They become the Orlando Dreamers. So, uh, everything, in, everything in Orlando is built about big dreams, and so we think Dreamers uh, describes this area. And uh, Terrific. And baseball, and baseball is a game of dreams. You know, when you <laughs> think of the dreams of every kid who ever plays to be a big leaguer, and the field of dreams in Iowa, and uh, baseball and dreams go together. So, we, we think we've uh, got the right nickname. And lastly, but not leastly, you you
1: have the schematics for a stadium, you have the basically uh, from the last time we chatted, uh, what about twenty two thousand almost guaranteed season ticket holders, so you would double the you double the number of people in the stands that they have in St. Pete right out of the gate without selling a ticket.
6: Well, we've we've ha- we've shown we've seen tremendous interest. Uh, Orlando is now the. 17th largest media market in North America and growing with no end in sight. A thousand people a day are moving to central Florida. And, uh, that's, and that's why the, the, the developments and condos and, uh, neighborhoods are just being built so fast. You can't even, can't even imagine. And then we've got 80 million per a year. Uh, the population is here. And, uh, if you build a ballpark, it would have to be like nothing else. Uh, it would have to be at that Disney level of quality. And uh, so that that would be that, that would be great fun to work on.
1: Well, Pat, thank you so very, very much. I uh, kept Doc. you a little bit longer than we anticipated.
5: You,
6: thank
1: you. Ira Koffer wanted to talk to you. Roger wanted to talk. We got all the questions in. Thank you so very, very much. Look forward to the next time you join us, Pat. Thank you.
6: Good to talk to you, Don, always. Thanks a million. Take care, Pat. Bye-bye now. All right.
1: Pat Williams, and uh, I'll tell you, nobody's tried more things than Pat. At going with, First of all, he started off in baseball with the Phillies and then moved into basketball and uh, brought the 76ers. And uh, as uh, Roger said earlier, the Warriors became the 76ers and Pat became the general manager. Uh, then had the opportunity to go down to Orlando and create – the Orlando Magic, which he did, and uh, just a tremendous, tremendous track record. Not counting, as he said, the number of books that he's already written, and I would suggest one of them would be the one about Disney. Uh, you'd sort of get a great kick out of leadership and what Disney meant to leadership and integrity. Uh, just such a really book. Uh, right now we're going to switch gears again. Uh, Mike Dibzak is ready to chat with us in Baltimore, Washington. And uh, a lot of things happening in Baltimore, Washington. Uh, you know, last week when you were on, Mike, we didn't have a chance before we get to soccer, was to talk about uh, your leading goal scorer down there, uh, who's going to be in the class by himself. He keeps
7: going. What, is he in third place now? Yeah. Uh, the goal last night in the uh, tie over the Islanders put him all alone in third place. Uh, he passed. Right. Uh, Yarmir Yager. Uh, I think, you know, it's kind of a when you look at it, uh, you're right, he's going to be in a class all by himself. You easily got to start having a conversation. Uh, the argument, you know, top five, uh, top three, top four, whatever player of all time, the way, the, just, just the consistency that he has scored, that he has created over the course of his career, and that, you know, as he gets into his middle and late 30s, he just continues to be able to do it. So, I think it's just a matter of time um, right now. I didn't think four or five years ago that it was possible, but uh, we're seeing it happen that he could probably catch and surpass Gretzky.
1: Mike, how old is the vet yet? I really don't know.
7: I'm going to double-check. thought he was um, he was uh, 36, but uh, I could be wrong, so I'm going to double-check for you right now. Okay. Roger? Yeah,
3: Claude Giroux at the Flyers last night had his 1,000th uh, game. Uh, that's quite an accomplishment uh, in hockey, too. Yeah, Mike, uh, getting on to soccer, uh, you know, the MLS is really uh, getting uh, revved up uh, and, and really moving uh, – I saw a couple on TV already. Um, wh- what does it look like to you this year? And uh, hopefully uh, in the next couple of weeks when you're on, I'm going to have a woman that I met yesterday uh, substituting that uh, is involved in this uh, 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 soccer or no, it's it's called uh, football uh, uh, academies, And uh, I know you're familiar with it. Uh, because, you know, you really know soccer, and I was telling her about you. But uh, what does what the MLS look to you as we get into the uh, new season? All
7: right, so let me go back real quick. Don, yes, I was correct. He is 36, so that's 36, uh,
3: Roger,
7: okay. Yeah, Roger, um, it's a little bit early of a start for the season this year because they need to get the whole entire thing done by um, done by – the end of October, when normally they might go into December, they want to get the whole entire season played so that they can release the players for the world cup, which is going to start in November over in Qatar. So Mm -hmm. we have games starting in February. Um, We're going into the uh, fourth week of the season. The the games will be the fourth games will be this uh, week. Uh, attendance is looking really good. We saw uh, Charlotte break Atlanta United's record. Uh, wow. 76,000 they put in uh, Bank of America Stadium down in Charlotte. Uh, you know, new franchise, they're, they're kind of struggling. Uh, we've seen some consistency out of teams that we expected. Uh, you know, the Union have gotten off to a pretty good start to uh, – Two wins and one draw uh, Atlanta United is, is, is kind of figuring it out. Um, I know that they picked up a win earlier I would say probably one of my biggest surprises has been DC United who have gotten They've just struggled for a couple of years since Wayne Rooney left uh, They've gotten off to a strong start um, Of course the New York teams and the LA teams look pretty good as well uh, there's still some uh, yeah, I want to say bigger name players uh, still to come. I think the biggest one is uh, Sebastian Giovinco, who was part, a key part. He's going to um, Toronto. He was a key part of the uh, team that won the, uh, the um, Euros for mm-hmm. Italy last year. So um, you know, it, it's the week shaping up to be pretty good.
1: Well, the Union well, of the box are, what, two and, uh, 2-0-1? Is that what the – I think I don't have the paper in front of me, but I think they're 2-0-1. Yeah, I know that they and, drew their
7: uh, – the Union drew their first game and then since they've uh, reeled off two consecutive wins. Uh, and they've done so without their uh, big signing of the summer, Michael Ure, the uh, Danish striker who has uh, – he, he. there were some visa issues and then he had a minor injury. You know, they brought him in And I think he's, played, he's come on as a substitute Once, and that's about it So uh, We'll we'll see, I mean They continue to be amongst the favorites in the East You know, certainly again, looking uh, Down where Roger is You know, Atlanta made a couple Of signings uh, You know, bringing up those uh, young kids From South America, like they're so Famous for doing, they're going to look To have a bounce back season this year Last year was a bit of a disappointment uh, but they're gonna to look to be back in and amongst playoff contenders this year as well.
3: Yeah, they're playing the uh D C United on uh the second uh, they don't have anything uh until then. And um, and then uh, that's uh a couple of Saturdays. Uh this Saturday they are playing um, against the uh uh who let me see, uh who it is. Um uh, oh, I can't. I can't even. I can't even read it. Um, but anyway, they, they have the game at, at home on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium.
7: Yeah, after this week, there'll be a um, two-week international break uh, because uh, for the last round of the World Cup final, the World Cup qualifiers for the U.S. Uh, we got a really big one coming up. The men's team uh, is still in pretty good position, but we've got games against uh, Panama and Costa Rica and Mexico, and and we've got, uh, in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's going to be a really interesting go for for, for the U.S. men uh, to try and sew up World Cup qualifications.
1: Mike, uh, the commanders have made one very big initial move when they Got the former Eagle quarterback to uh, be uh, when, during the trade, although it hasn't been uh, run through completely yet. But it's it's, uh, it's all set. Uh, but they don't have much room on the on the draft chart. What's it look like? Uh, you know, what are the, what are, the, what, are the, what are they going to do?
7: Well, um, they officially unveiled Carson Wentz today. They got the picture of him in the Washington Commanders Letterman jacket. Uh, so he is officially a Washington commander. Uh, they made a couple of really surprising moves to clear about $18 million under the salary cap after taking back on all $28 million that Carson Wentz was owed. Uh, they released uh, their defensive lineman, Matt Ioannidis. Uh That was kind of a surprise. They really liked um He was a fan favorite. He played a lot for them. I uh, okay. think a draft pick, but he got a lot of um, game time for him and and was um I don't know if you want to say it's a starter because they have uh DeRon Payne and uh, Jonathan Allen along the defensive line, but he was definitely like a high quality back back up depth uh guy that they liked a lot and when those guys were out he played uh he played quite a bit, uh they moved on from um yeah. Brendan Sheriff signed uh, uh, elsewhere. They're going to release uh, Landon Collins. Um, they moved on from their other guard, uh, who they traded for Eric Flowers, who they traded for last year after he signed a deal with Miami. So uh, they lost both of their starting guards uh, by via roster moves this week. So it's kind of interesting. They cleared out about. Eight million under the cap. They were able to re-sign uh, J.D. McKissick, the running back that they really liked. Uh, he had signed a deal with Buffalo, but they offered him the same terms, and he agreed to come back to the, the uh, to the Commanders. So I don't really know where that leaves them as far as what they're going to do. Uh, they re-signed Bobby McLean, the uh, their other safeties, having, let, having made the decision to let Landon Collins go, you know they, couldn't, they didn't want to be on the market for both safeties. And as you've seen with some of these deals that are getting signed by defensive backs, uh, that position is carrying a premium this year. Uh, it kind of looks as though they're going to be buyers in the basement bin. Uh, Some of the moves they did with the post-June 1st designation, which is great, it saves them a little more money, but it also, you know, they don't have it to spend this go-round when the premier free agents are going to go off the board.
1: Well, Mike, if there's a time to move, this is the time, because the Giants are terrible. You know, other than the Dallas Cowboys, uh, uh, who you know, could be great or could be close to great or could easily win the NFC East. Uh, You know, this is the time if you're going to become competitive, this is the time to do it because the other teams are not very
7: good. Inside uh, Ashburn, inside the park. you know, this is a team that looks at itself and says that uh, we were 6-6 at one point trending upwards if we had injuries, COVID, poor quarterback play, and that derailed our opportunity. You know, we had five straight division games. They really thought that they were there, and if they got replacement-level quarterback player better, that they would have been in to compete with Dallas and to beat out Philadelphia for that playoff spot. So although it looks to a lot of us as though, you know, what's the plan if there is one? This is a team that really looks at itself and feels though, as though they are competent quarterback play from, again, being in the hunt for the NFC East Division crown. Uh, Whether we agree with that or not is is, uh, immaterial to what they're thinking is. Uh, There's a lot of people around here right now, both fans and media members, who feel like, The commanders panicked a little bit that they, in giving up the two-thirds, one of which will likely next year become a second, and taking back all of Carson Wentz's salary when it looked like a foregone conclusion that he was going to be released a day before we start seeing, uh, you know, the likes of Deshaun Watson uh, being cleared of the criminal charges. Uh, a trade market that's starting up for Baker Mayfield, things like that, that maybe the commanders panic a little bit and they cut a bad deal to get a quarterback who may not be what they need. But they're looking around and they say, you know, we believe that we can get him back to where he was uh, earlier in his career, his first two years when he looked like an MVP candidate. We believe that we have the pieces on defense. We're going to try and add and complement in the draft, and they believe that they're good enough to compete right now.
5: Roger.
3: Well, a couple of things, Mike. Okay, number one, if Frank Wright could not change Carson Wentz, but he did get him. He did had a pretty strong season until that last game against Jacksonville, which was a disgrace to lose. But if if Frank Wright couldn't uh, change him, I don't know who can. And I don't know whether Carson is just milking it to get the money and then he's going to spend the rest of his life back in uh, North Dakota or South Dakota uh, hunting. But here's the other. The turmoil continues with the Washington commanders. Okay, the agent for uh, McKissick uh, said J.D. McKissick uh, resigns with the commanders after agreeing to a deal with the Bills but his agent says the commanders lied to him. How is it that this just continues on, this saga
7: of all these internal issues
3: with the Washington football team?
7: Roger, the report that I read was actually, it was the agent for Ionitis who was saying, I think they have the same agent, but I know that he was referring when he said that that they lied to him. He was referring to Matt Ioannidis, and they had a conversation, I believe, last week that uh, one of the people in the player personnel department said that, you know, he's safe, uh, and he would have liked them to know, you know, hey, they were caught blindsided and ended up losing three days where they could have been out negotiating with teams because the team didn't tell them. Um, He's right. That's pretty bad form, and it speaks a lot to – why the commanders have had to make some of the moves that they had because they do not feel as though uh, free agents will choose them if they have a choice. And that's because of that turmoil you talk about. That's because, it, And it goes to these sorts of perceptions, agents speaking publicly about the fact that somebody in the front office who could have easily given them a heads up a couple of days ago that, you know, hey, we're going to let your guy go. Um, you might want to start booking and making some phone calls. Uh, they chose to wait to drop this, presumably for the headline coverage, I guess, at uh, 3 o'clock today, right an hour before free agent started, started and it was kind of a mess. Um Overall, look like they don't necessarily have a plan. They just—you're right, Roger. They just continue to lurch from issue to issue to issue to issue to issue, issue, um, like a car careening off a cliff.
3: Yeah, well, I thought Ron Rivera was really going to bring stability and get the club turned around, and it appeared that he did early on. But uh, I mean, now you know, I, I guess with it just shows you how desperate they were to get a quarterback uh, that can possibly, well, can can definitely win some games, but you don't know, uh, you know, what his temperature is going to be. He wasn't vaccinated, and uh, you see him out there, uh, you know, when he's off the field sometimes with his mask, other times with no mask. I mean, it's it's just, uh, you know, you can't trust Wentz anymore.
7: I, I, they've acknowledged that it's hard to find anybody with any relationship Philly That's going to have anything good to say about Carson Wentz After what we dealt with with him up there uh, I definitely think that you have to look at the player personnel thing Because this is Ron's team Remember Ron may yeah. be just a head coach But in the Martys Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney You know he's brought in all of his guys to run the front office uh i question sometimes whether there's anybody in there that's willing to speak truth to power of course i'm never going to figure out like what exactly the negotiations were that led to them making the deal that they made for carson wentz but it certainly reeks of desperation it certainly reeks of you know this poor planning a lack of knowledge you know they went out of their way to tell everybody that they were looking for a quarterback that they believed that they needed to, to to upgrade the quarterback position. That they were going to upgrade the quarterback position. You know, putting out there that they had called all 32 teams and had a list of 43 quarterbacks that they were looking at, as if there were 43 starting quarter caliber quarterbacks that could have been better than uh, Taylor Heineke was yes last year in the NFL uh you know from from that the we hadn't mentioned the fact that they're still under investigation by Congress over the sexual harassment stuff in the league by the sexual harassment stuff. oh, and by the way, we got confirmation yesterday that the stadium stadium wherever it will be it will not be in d c because d c refuses to give them one billion dollars towards building a new stadium,
3: okay.
1: So. Mike, Mike, thank you very, very much. Uh, Doug Hamilton is standing by at the moment also in your Washington, D.C. area. He's closer to Baltimore. wanted to get around yep. to uh, Mr. Ovechkin's club and what you thought about. Uh, there's going to be some division when the playoffs come up. I mean, uh, what a what a great uh, series of games that's going to be. But we'll hold that till next week. Mike, thank you very Mike, much.
7: Take care. All right. <laughs> you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Take care. Sounds Take care, great. partner.
1: Take care. Doug Hamilton, welcome once again, and uh, boy, oh boy, what a weekend uh, we had we had down here in Florida last week with the players. Unbelievable. Yeah,
8: yeah
2: it's, um,
8: you know, golf is obviously meant to be played in ideal conditions with, you know, firm and fast fairways, and to some degree firm greens, yet receptive. Um, sunshine is always wonderful, but... You know, those guys put up with, uh, you know, some wet weather and a little a lot of wind, a lot of wind, um, you know, and that makes it difficult. The wind is very difficult to navigate, and I know that over the years we've – I always enjoy watching the British Open because of the movements and the conditions and the amount of, you know, kind of creative shots those guys have to hit, um, you know, not just off the tee, but in, in and around the greens, and it definitely makes, you know, the game uh, – you know more enjoyable to watch I think to watch those guys have to you know be precise um you know gauge wind and all these sorts of things um so it's a little it's a little different um I watched a little bit of it um you know I I always enjoy watching the majors or the bigger events um you know but to some degree I don't watch golf on a weekly basis I know that some people are pretty you know incessant upon watching it all the time um you don't you have
1: know,
8: time, Doug. Well, it's, you know, I told uh, Frank when he patched me in here, heck, I didn't get home till almost 8.30 tonight. It was 70 degrees uh, around here. And, you know, even though we don't have a whole lot of our members still left in town, the ones that, that are uh, came out and we had a uh, – we hosted a training session for, for um, about 50 or 60 different uh, golf professionals to go through some Callaway product training and, and those sorts of things. Um you know, and I just I was inundated with all kinds of I would call it busy work, but just the minutiae, I guess, of of what you have to do from a business standpoint and planning standpoint, those sorts of things. So I was in constant motion today, and I was just happy to eat lunch. You know, to be honest with you, because there's some days where I'm walking around gobbling on you know yogurt or something just to hold me over. Um, but you know, uh, I was I was happy to sit down for about ten minutes and, and eat lunch and. Uh, I got to see some of my fellow golf professionals uh, from area clubs, and you know it was it was good. It was a good day. That's great. Well,
1: going back to the players for just a second, the people that root for balls in the water, uh, <laughs> they got their wish because what they go twenty eight, I think twenty seven or twenty eight, yeah. uh, on that windy day into the water, and uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a fun hole to watch. Uh, although I know that uh, as great as the pros are to go up there and, and have. Uh, Twenty-eight of them go in the water. I, that,
5: yeah. I don't
8: think that made them too happy. Well, I mean, in most cases, I mean that that whole uh, plays some version of short iron. I mean, most of those guys are hitting, you know, we'll we'll call it devoid of wind. Probably some version of wedge, nine iron, maybe an eight iron, or or something thereabouts. So, I mean, you know, as precise as they are, you know, with their ball striking and those short irons. Um, you know, you add the element of wind in there, the island green, and it's the 17th hole, and there's a little pressure there. So, I mean, it's certainly changes things, and I think that's um, a bit of insight into you know the the everyday regular golfer. I mean, if they can see stuff like that, and they know, gosh, it is a hard game because even the even the best struggle with it. Um, you know, it that that does add some version of parity to the game itself. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was. It was great to watch those guys. Um, there's so many good players, um, you know, and just what they do in and around the greens and the putting and all that stuff is just amazing.
1: Well, my two last questions, before I let Roger get in, one was uh, the penalty call on Bradley. I'd never heard of that rule. And uh, he said, uh, I was quoted very, very emphatically that nobody that he knew on the tour that he talked to knew about that rule that cost him two strokes, which was, <laughs> it was just an astronomical penalty. And the other was the shot that Smith made uh, on that 17th hole uh, in the last mm-hmm. round when he had a two-stroke lead. Yeah. Everybody else was going for the middle of the green. I mean, he went sure. for the pin. I, I, I mean, yeah. what kind of courage What kind of courage does that take?
8: Yeah, I mean, uh, historically, uh, the pin placement on 17, uh, their TPC is always back right, or we'll call it right, right. Um, which in most cases lends people to taking a a more safer route. We'll call that if we divided that green up into thirds, the the pin side of it would be your red light, your middle green, you know, would be kind of your yellow light and left would be your green light. I mean, in terms of what you're looking at, just make sure you hit the green and don't hit it in the water and have an opportunity to two putts. So, yeah, it's pretty ballsy to, uh, you know, and and I don't know if they actually asked him if if he was aiming there or if that was, you know, an oopsie that that came out the right way. I mean, that happens from time to time in golf. that You know, where where you're typically aligned doesn't always go that way, and it turns out to be a good shot. Um, But, yeah, nonetheless, I mean, it was, you know, Ricky Fowler, you saw him do that when he won there, um, something very similar. So, I mean, it's pretty gutsy. And what about the two-stroke penalty? You know, I I wasn't aware, I didn't see or or even hear, you know, of that. Um, I'm not – certain I can't intelligently speak about that um, you know but if what you're saying is it's a little known rule uh, that no one really knew about what do you know what happened or what well he, he what he
1: did was he put his marker down but he didn't pick the ball up <clears throat> and the wind moved the ball slightly I mean I mean it, yeah. almost nothing and right. he picked up the marker and putted and completed right. the hole and when he came in it was a two-stroke penalty because he didn't place the ball back exactly yeah. where the marker was it had moved like a quarter of an inch or less right and
8: man oh well, man that, I never heard of it so how I interpret that is he played the ball from the wrong place and the, the reason he played the ball from the wrong place is because he marked it okay so if he wouldn't have marked it um he the if the wind blows it it, it goes where it goes. You don't have to put it back. So because he marked it and the ball moved, he didn't put it back, and that cost him a two-shot. Well, he never picked it up. He, he never
1: he never picked it no, up. No,
8: That's fine. It doesn't matter. If you've marked the position of the ball on the green with a marker and the wind blows it to a new position where, where it oscillates off of where its previous position was and you pick your marker up, you've now played from the wrong place. What I'm saying is if he would have never marked it, he would have been fine. But because he did and it changed its position, that's what cost him two shots. Right. Oh, yeah. No question me, about it.
4: Uh, yeah,
3: let <laughs> yeah. me Roger. If, what If he had left the marker there, okay, then he would have been okay too. Right, Doug?
8: If he Well, since he left his marker there, all he had to do was put the ball back after it moved and he was fine. Yeah,
3: that's right. what I'm
8: saying. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it's tricky a, like that. Shit. I mean, that's what I'm in many cases.
3: That, uh, so many go- so many of the uh, players said they didn't know about that uh, rule, and, and there oh, were yeah. a lot of complaints about the weather. But uh, as many of the guys on national radio, in- including Chris Russo, said, "Hey, listen, mm-hmm. they're they're used to playing in the British Open in Scotland. <laughs> and look at how windy well, it is there."
8: Yeah, in 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 many cases, um when it's you know, super windy, they tell you not to mark your golf ball for that reason because Oh really? You know, the yeah, oh, wind okay. wind is yeah, wind is not considered an outside agency as as the rule book would state. Um so you know, it's fairly technical, but you know, the the general rule applies if you're not sure of what to do. You should always call a rules official over before you make your next shot because once you make it, if it's wrong, it's wrong and it's going to cost you. You
2: know.
1: I... Well, it was a boy. It was a big penalty for him because, you
6: know,
1: <clears throat> of course it didn't turn out at the end because he didn't uh, uh, sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen didn't play very well in the final round and he dropped down oh. to I think fifth, uh, whereas he was only one yeah. stroke back. And those two, those two penalty strokes had he. uh, Played sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, as he had earlier in the tournament. he would have been right there for uh, in a tie for the for the lead anyway, but uh,
8: that's all that's all behind him. Yeah, I mean, you know, there were any number of players that missed the cut that you know just didn't play well that you would have expected to. I mean, you know, I think Xander Schauffele is a fabulous player. Obviously, he was the gold medal winner, but he was seven or eight over, I think, you know, and missed the cut. So there were guys like him that you know, you would think would be somewhere near the finish line and and just, you know, for whatever reason. And Roy, Roy had a tough time. Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't be a superstar every week and, and, um, you know, most of those guys make their living making every cut. And, you know, every now and again it just doesn't work that way, whether they just don't play well or they don't play well in the conditions or, you know, some people were frustrated, I guess, by the start and the stop and the, um, you know, more than 18-hole concept of what they were trying to get into to finalize the tournament. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's tough sometimes.
3: Well, Roger, go to you. Well, the uh, Masters will be coming up in, uh, what, about three weeks, I guess, right? Yep. Uh, four weeks. Yep. And, uh, you know, hopefully the weather will be uh, uh, good, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, not cause any issues because I'll tell you, Uh, even though it's uh, been 55 Saturday, the wind, well, you saw it in Florida, but it was wicked here and it's cold. I mean, you know, the sun's not out. Uh, When I start in the morning, uh, it's freezing. And then Mm -hmm. if the sun comes out, then it's 55 to 60 uh, at the end of the day, eight hours later. But uh, I, I hope that the weather's good for the masters and, because that reminded me when they were talking about having to go the extra day to Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can remember. I think it was the uh, seventy-three uh, Masters uh, that went uh, a Monday because I, I was on a plane from Columbia, South Carolina to Atlanta through Augusta, and the mm-hmm. CBS crew got on, and Pat Summerall sat in first mm-hmm. class, and everybody else was in coach. <laughs>
8: Well, there you have it.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, we're
8: we're uh, in the Northeast here, a pretty good pocket of, you know, uh, steady 60s. I mean, yesterday and today, I think touched 70, and and I know we're going to get some rain tomorrow. But the forecast, I think, for the next 10 days or so is, you know, low to mid 60s. And I mean, look, March and April can be, you know, so fickle with, you know, what you get. You could. Still have frost. You can still get snow. You can have rain. You can have cold. You can have all kinds of stuff. So, um, well, I'll tell you. Today difficult. we had
1: a, we had a small tornado in Sarasota, and took uh, okay. the roof off of one of the uh, factory buildings. Well, I guess around two o'clock, one o'clock this afternoon, and we had heavy mm-hmm. rains. And uh, there's supposed to be uh, the next couple of days are supposed to be very good. But then again, possibly for this weekend's tournament, there's going to be some rain too. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. which is very unusual for this time of year. We usually don't have too much rain, but well, boy, oh boy, did they have it last weekend over there. And it looks like we're going to, we had a heavy, heavy rainstorm here today. So, uh, mm-hmm. they couldn't have done much, uh, on the, uh, exhibitions workout series unless they did it inside because man, it really
8: mm-hmm. came down in buckets. Yeah. It's supposed to rain here tomorrow and, um, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to knock out some more, you know, indoor stuff that we have to do with, uh, some paperwork and planning and, and stuff. So, yeah, I can't say that I'm excited about that, but yet the environment, I think, is conducive to, to me accomplishing tomorrow. So, yeah.
3: Hey, Doug, is your uh, pro shop all set up, or do you still have, like, a lot of uh, the n- new products and uh, mm-hmm. replacements coming in in the next month? Yeah, you know, so early,
8: fairly early in the season, I'll call that March and April. Um, that's when I start getting... You know, a lot of my hard goods, clubs, fitting stuff, uh, golf balls, gloves, your kind of go-to and, and uh, you know, needed items. Um, you know, I, I still have uh, a little bit of leftover stuff uh, from last year. I mean, you know, hats and socks and stuff like that. You know, they don't grow mold on them, so they'll, they'll have a, a good shelf life. You know, but I, I won't really start getting in a lot of my uh, merchandise in terms of apparel and, and um you know, color stories and those sorts of things until probably mid-April, I think was the earliest, you know, likely, you know, again, I don't know what the weather's going to be, but most of my members don't even come back until the beginning of May. So, you know, when you start out, you know, the best you're going to get is, is 30-day terms in most cases. So I didn't feel the need to, you know, lay the cash out for no no good reason. Um, you know, so, I mean, I've got, you know, different stuff in there that, that I can sell, uh, but even – you know my outing schedule doesn't really take place until first or second week in may um in terms of my monday events so you know i, I still have time there was no reason to to do anything to rush in there and spend the cash the uh, what is your
1: what is your course in terms of uh uh length? what what and and what's far what's far
8: on your course uh par seventy three um and you know we have keys that range from You know the forward set of tees we have, which you know we don't want to call ladies because we don't want to offend anyone, men or women. Uh, So we call it our forward set. You know those are about uh, 50, 53, 5400, and we do we do give some help uh, to the ladies with some tees that we put um, in some of the beginnings of fairways that makes it about
3: 46
8: ish hundred yards, a little more playable for them and you know, our back tees are the black tees which stretch you know uh 70 yards and it's it's all you could want from back there i mean it's i was gonna say that's you know, a test huh 70 oh well <clears throat> you know yardage doesn't always truly define you know the difficulty of the golf course um it can be a, a good indicator but it, i've played many golf courses i wouldn't say many but enough golf courses you know they're you know, country club of Maryland from their back keys is like 6,400 yards. And you look at that scorecard and you think, Oh, I'm going to tear this place up. And then, you know, you, you don't, <laughs> uh, whether it's the green complex or, you know, some of the difficulty of the shapings of the holes or, um, you know, the hazards and penalty areas. And I guess we should say, and out of bounds and those sorts of things. So, you know, short and tight, or you can go long and hit it anywhere or, I mean, you know, whatever, but I mean, our men's set of tees, um, which is our blue set, um, I mean, that's like 6,500 yards, and it's hard from back there. Um, I think all of our course ratings would indicate that that whatever set of tees you play from blue backwards is going to be harder than par per stroke average. So um, it's a great test. I mean, we have incredibly difficult green complexes. Um, the speeds of the greens, the pin placements, um, they'll get you for sure. What do you keep the speed at normally? Um, again that's that's not always I mean, you know, like if your greens are flat and they're, you know, ten to twelve, okay, well right. you can nap, you can navigate that. But these greens are in many cases very undulated, sometimes tiered and you know, they'll they'll run Around ten ish, and if you're on the wrong side of it, you got a problem, you know, so um that's you know ten on those greens is like twelve or thirteen on a lot of other ones
3: Roger well the I was also uh wondering about uh when we, before we wrap it up uh did you have a good uh year last year in your business end of it uh, your personal end with the store, et cetera
8: yeah, um I think
3: you know hopefully
8: uh by the time taxes are due here um you know I'll have a chance to meet with with our accountant and really kind of figure out you know exa- I mean a lot of a lot of what we did last year was fairly exploratory in terms of we probably should have done a quarterly concept of of uh you know exploring our tax situation uh but not knowing any better being a first time business owner I've waited until the end of the season which We'll see how that pans out for me, but overall sales, my sales in the shop last year were more than any of the previous ten years of, of numbers. So, oh,
7: that's um, fantastic.
8: You know, yeah. I mean, look. You know, when, when you start a <laughs> all business, all right, boys. That,
1: that's going to that's gonna wrap it up for this week, Doug. Thank you very, very much. Yep. Talk again next week, Roger. Good show, Frank. Hey. At the controls always. We'll talk to you next week, fellas.
3: What awesome. a way to end it on a positive note—a profitable yeah. year.
6: Right.
3: Take care, Doug. Frank, you thank, you. thank you. God bless. Have a great week. Thank Roger. Thanks
2: Doug for being on with us, Roger, Don, uh, Ira, and Pat. We really appreciate all your, everybody's help, ladies and gentlemen. These programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation to men with the United States Armed Forces mental and police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please take the time to let them know that you know they're there. It's very important that they know that. These are very, very tough times on those in uniform. These programs are also dedicated to those who lost their lives in line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffy, (coughs) excuse me, Jeffrey Colcat. Uh, Patrolman Jeffrey Yazowitz, Sergeant Thomas Bager, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Bender, Sergeant Tom Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, Tarpon Springs Police Department, Deputy Chief Mike Goblin, Philadelphia Fire Department, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Sergeant Charlie LeVake, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office, Patrol Deputy uh, Josh Meyer, Nassau County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Chris Crispin, Lakeland PD. Lieutenant Joe Zerba, Newcastle County Police. Captain Matt Letourneau, Philadelphia Fire Department. Captain Chris Leach Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Ardith Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Ficus, Wilmington Fire Department. Trooper Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol. Trooper Chelsea Richards, Florida Highway Patrol. Chief al Lulon, Chief Police Department, and Chief Jimmy Gordon, Willie Fire Department. My brothers and sisters, though you may be 10 at this point in time, and sometime we'll be 10-10 at the table to work. Until that time, may the up to meet you. May the winds be always at your back. May the rains fall softly on your fields, and the sunshine lightly on your feet. face. Until we meet again, may the good Lord keep you and your family always in the palm of his hand. Thank you for listening. Happy St. Patty's Day, and have a good night
5: shem alek ma Shem shema he zahir nevorat i oh.
2: cloud